0: No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply.
1: And now, the Blaze Radio Network presents 40 Acres and a Fool. Here's your host, Cam Edwards.
2: Greetings from the near frontier. Thanks for tuning in. It's 40 Acres and a Fool here, but you knew that because the guy just told you that. I'm Cam Edwards, and welcome to the Thanksgiving Themed episode of 40 Acres and a Fool. Now, I am flying solo this week. Um, Miss E was planning on uh, joining me, but she is still just feeling wretched from the uh, chemotherapy. Uh, Did manage to make it out to the grocery store. She is insisting that uh, I will not be the one to cook Thanksgiving dinner this year. (laughs) I've offered, but uh, for whatever reason, Missy has decided she is going to try to uh, uh, do it herself our oldest son is coming home and uh, he has promised to help her bake the parker house rolls that she wants to make he's been learning to do some more cooking since he's been living on his own he came to that realization that hey you know what it's so much more affordable to cook your own food rather than to try to go out and eat every meal so uh he'll be helping out i will be helping out uh and in the meantime just uh, keep missy e in your thoughts and your prayers she's um She's not in, it's not like she's, you know, in pain, but she is just nauseous. She is, can't get up out of bed without feeling dizzy and sick, and uh, she talked with her sister this week who has been, uh, who who is a cancer survivor. She has been uh, fighting uh, various cancers for over a decade, and uh, has a lot of experience and has a lot of wisdom in terms of, uh, you know, what happens when you go through chemotherapy, what happens when you go through radiation. After the first month uh, was over back in October, uh, it took Missy about 10 days or so to, to start to feel okay again, uh, what I would consider, you know, back to normal. Um, and her sister told her, look, it gets harder every month. The The recovery time is longer. Your body Uh, is still reacting to this so that's been kind of i I think weighing a little bit on missy this week Uh, she wants to get back to feeling better and you know i think she knows now that this is uh, not necessarily going to be just you know another week and and then she'll be good to go but uh, every day she she is feeling a little bit better i would say she's definitely feeling better uh, than she was let's say uh, the day after chemotherapy ended Uh, she spent several days just Stuck in bed, basically couldn't uh, get up, couldn't move. Uh, Now she's she left the house (laughs) and uh, was able to, you know, uh, go to the store. So she is slowly getting better, but not quite where she uh, wants to be. Unfortunately, as far as uh, feeling good on this Thanksgiving, but you know what? She's here, and I am very, very thankful for that. I am thankful that she is here. That we are halfway through the chemotherapy. Uh, We were out at the store last night. We ran into uh, one of the local ladies who works at the post office and and delivers the mail to us, and uh, she knows what's going on. And she said uh, she was kind of surprised when she saw Missy, and she said, "All right, did what? Did you have chemo last week?" and Missy said, yeah, and she said, I kind of thought so because I, I uh, had to deliver a package and you didn't come to the door, and, and that's unusual, so I figured that you were probably at the doctor's office. This is what happens when you live in a small town uh, and you know people, and, uh, and so we talked for a couple of minutes, and she was just super sweet uh, to Missy. It's nice to know that, you know again, you've got people they are not friends, but they're people that you – see on a regular basis, um, and, and and in a small town, again, you, you know what's going on with people. People uh, let others know, hey, have you heard about, and it's not, I don't think it's gossip. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just, hey, have you heard what's going on with this family? Have you heard what's going on uh, and who needs help? There was a family who house caught on fire last year, one of their uh, little kids, passed away in that fire, and the community, you know, rallied behind that family. It's just what happens when you live in a small town. And uh, and so it was nice to see people rallying around Missy. E. I am very, very thankful for that. And as we, again, continue to live in a country where most of the media has decided that uh, rural America is— Not worth paying attention to unless it is to try to uh, destroy them. Uh, Rural America is not worth saving. There's nothing good there in rural America. You might might not be able to get a Starbucks if you go to rural America. Uh, I am once again reminded that there is, I think there's good, frankly, uh, everywhere in this country. I think that there is good to be found in big cities. I think that there is good to be found in the suburbs. I think that there is good to be found in the small towns around the country. And yes, I think that there is good to be found in the countryside as well. And um, I'm thankful that I get to, to see that and to witness the goodness around me this year. So we've got some emails that we're going to get to on this episode of 40 Acres and a Fool. We're going to talk about what, uh, what, what what's going to be on your Thanksgiving table, what is the absolute must-have on your Thanksgiving table, and then what could just never, ever appear again, and you would be completely and totally fine with that. Uh, we've got uh, the email address, 40acrefool at gmail.com. Uh, I, I'm not going to make the transition, by the way, from Thanksgiving to Christmas Just yet So the next episode We won't be getting into All of the Christmas themed stuff Although I have Discovered Walmart Selling ugly Christmas sweaters So I am thinking about Having an ugly Christmas sweater week On Cam and Company Sponsored by Nosler On NRA TV At some point before Christmas Uh, Why don't we Take a quick time out And on the other side Of the break We'll start to get to Some of your emails We'll talk turkey And more on this special Thanksgiving themed edition Of 40 Acres and a Fool Stick around We'll be right back Right after this
1: 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network.
0: No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply.
1: 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: So a little bit later on in the podcast, I want to talk about this article of the Washington Post. Christopher Ingram, uh, who... It has an interesting story I think I mentioned Christopher Ingram on the program before He wrote a column about the worst place in America to live uh, According to the algorithms According to the data points And it turns out it was this place in uh, Minnesota I think it was called Red Lake, Minnesota uh, Christopher Ingram went out and, and visited this town uh, it was Sort of, again, the, the stereotypical uh, You know, Beltway journalist Goes to look at Middle America And <laughs> mocks it Right, it's the worst place in the world to live He ended up moving there uh, good for him. He got out of the Beltway bubble. I don't think it has changed his mind on everything. I think Christopher Ingram is still who Christopher Ingram is, and there are plenty of things that I disagree with him on. Uh, but his perspective is a little bit different now. He's not surrounded by uh, his fellow posties in the newsroom. He's not surrounded by uh, you know, 95% progressives. He lives in a place that I think... Uh, bears a little bit more resemblance to what most of America actually looks like. And he has a piece of The Washington Post called Why Rural Voters Don't Vote Democratic Anymore. Uh, An interview with Colin Peterson in Minnesota, uh, who is one of the last of the blue dogs in Congress. And we'll talk about that uh, again coming up a little bit later on in the podcast this week. Uh, But I asked the question a couple of days ago, what 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 do you have to have? On your Thanksgiving table, what is that one must-have item? And I suppose you know turkey is the uh, go-to answer there. But I'm talking like side dishes because everybody's side dishes are different. I was talking with Julie Gunlock of the Independent Women's Forum this week. Her response was the the must-have uh, is stuffing or dressing. Again, depending on. What part of the country you are from, or perhaps how pedantic you want to get, because this te- technically the stuffing is the stuff that goes inside the bird. The rest of that, if you bake it in a casserole dish, uh, that's dressing, right? Stuffing is stuffing, dressing is dressing, and they do taste a little bit different, even if you—it's uh, the same ingredients. You know, the stuffing is tends to be a little bit wetter, uh, right? A little bit more moist, right? Uh, there from the bird. Uh, I am more a fan, I guess, of the casserole style dressing, but I am absolutely a fan of Missy's stuffing. Like, that is probably the must have item uh, on the Thanksgiving table. And we only get stuffing or dressing twice a year. That's it. Missy makes it for Thanksgiving and she makes it for Christmas. I've, I've asked her for Easter. I've asked her for Can we just do it on every holiday? Can we have stuffing on, the, uh, on Independence Day? Can we have stuffing on Labor Day? Um, and the answer that I've always gotten is no. Are you crazy? Uh, you'll ruin it if you have too much. I'm thinking that's crazy. There's no way you can ruin stuffing by having too much of it. But that is what has to be on my plate. Uh, Charity wrote in and said, uh, I had to laugh at your cow incident recently. Yeah, the... Uh, running into a cow in the woods, thinking for a split second it was a black bear and freaking out, nearly needing to change my pants. Uh, Charity says, My husband had his share of surprise encounters as of late. Two weeks ago, he opened his wood shop slash man cave, it was once a pig house, uh, and found a skunk eating chicken feed. Oh, dear. Charity says he slowly back up, uh, closed the door. Luckily enough, the skunk never noticed him. Later that week, the skunk was caught in a live trap and met His timely end. Charity says, as for Thanksgiving, I love turkey with all the trimmings, but what I could go without? Scalloped corn. (laughs) Says Charity. I don't know if I, I know scalloped potatoes, and I like the scalloped potatoes, but I don't know that I've ever had scalloped corn, Charity. Creamed corn, not one of my favorite items on a uh, Thanksgiving table. I, I, I will give you that. Just give me the fresh sweet corn. That, that doesn't even had to be fresh. Give me the canned sweet corn for Thanksgiving. I'm fine with that. Charity says, by the way, Cam, my maiden name is Edwards, and I have relatives that live near Altus, Oklahoma. They raise greyhounds and they farm. I doubt that we're related, but I had to ask. Uh, Charity in uh, South Dakota wishing uh, all of us a happy Thanksgiving and praying, Ms. E to kick cancer's butt. Charity, thank you so much. Um, probably not. I don't know that uh, I've got any relatives near Altus, Oklahoma. Uh, which is in the southwestern part of the state. Although, I suppose it's not out of the question. I uh, uh, Mom's family is from south-central Oklahoma uh, in a tiny little town uh, south of Ada, a town called Tishomingo, Oklahoma, which has become, I guess, somewhat well-known uh, for uh, uh, two things. Uh, in the gun world, it's known for Murray State College because they have a gunsmithing program. Uh, and then in the entertainment world, uh, Blake Shelton and Miranda Lambert lived there for a little while until they split up. And I think Miranda Lambert, uh, she, she had, a, she had a, a shop in downtown Tishomingo, uh, which is no longer open because uh, she's not living there anymore. But, uh, yeah, that was where my family uh, grew up. Uh, charity, So they may have moved over to the southwestern side of the state, but I'm not aware of any branch of the family that did. But, uh, you know, Edwards is a uh, fairly common name. So I imagine we're probably related somehow, right? We're all related. Somehow you just got to go back far enough. Also, uh, Mike writing in says, Happy Thanksgiving to you from Pennsylvania. I trust that all is going well for you all, Cam and Missy. I continue to pray that the Lord will give you both strength as you go through this trial in your lives. Keep up the fight, Missy. You are on the final half. Yes, she is, Mike, and thank you for that. Mike says, Cam, you mentioned about Thanksgiving dinner must-haves last episode. Every Thanksgiving, we always have the turkey, of course. But I think my mom's homemade pumpkin pie and cranberry relish would be greatly missed if it were not on the table. Another staple, says Mike, green beans and mushrooms served together. I don't know where the tradition of those came from, but I sure enjoy them. Okay, now, this intrigues me, Mike, because green beans are one of those. we, We picked up the green beans last night when we were at the grocery store. But green beans are one of those uh, Thanksgiving table items that I always take a polite helping of. Because you got to take a little bit of everything, right? But you take a lot of the good stuff. So you pile on. You have the mountain of mashed potatoes with the uh, uh, Great Lake gravy in the middle. Uh, you've got the mound of stuffing. You've got a little bit of white meat. You've got a little bit of dark meat. Uh, if your family does the sweet potato casserole, you got a heaping helping of the sweet potato casserole with the brown sugar, walnut streusel on top. Um, and then there's the stuff that you're like, oh, I'll have a little bit of that. I would include the creamed corn. I would include uh, green beans, uh, particularly if it's a green bean casserole with, like, the fried onions on top. To me, the green beans are just sort of the uh, uh, they're, they're, they're the filler on the plate. Not something that I absolutely have to have, but I love mushrooms. And so now I'm a little intrigued by the uh, green bean and mushroom dish. I think, I think, Mike, we might have to adopt that for our plate next year. Mike says, uh, normally our meal's at one, and then we sit around either watching football, playing games, talking and laughing, or crash by the fire in a food coma. This Thanksgiving will be an extra special one for my wife, says Mike, and myself, it's our first that we get to celebrate with our beautiful baby girl. She was born last Monday. Everybody is healthy, and our daughter is already growing out of outfits. It's hard to believe that she is a week old already, says Mike. They don't stay small for long. We are enjoying every minute that we have with her. I look forward to the times that I can spend with her, teaching her useful skills and hard work. She is truly a blessing from the Lord. Well, Mike, congratulations, and happy Thanksgiving to you and your wife and your beautiful baby daughter. That uh, You do have a lot to be thankful for this year. And let me tell you what, buddy, you know this, uh, having been a dad for a week now, um, yes, they do grow up fast. And the first six months, uh, for me anyway, the first six months of all of my kids' lives uh, just sort of went by in a sleep-deprived blur. And you, you look back at some point when they started sleeping through the night, and you you, you, you've gotten your life back a little bit and you think, well, where did that time go? And And then you just keep saying that, Mike, you you really do. I look at my sixteen year old son and I think to myself, I, how, how I remember distinctly the day you were born. I remember you falling asleep in your spaghetti in your high chair. I remember holding your hand as we walked down the sidewalk. And you were like a little orangutan just learning how to walk. And now now you're driving. Now, how, how did that happen? It, it seemed like it was only yesterday. So enjoy the time, Mike, and uh, enjoy your Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you both. Mike also has some uh, beekeeping advice. He says, read up as much as you can on those bees before you get them. We jumped in feet first with hours with very little knowledge beforehand. It's been going well for us, but we are learning a lot the hard way. Mike says, uh, see if you can find someone in your area who's keeping bees. I found beekeepers are more than willing and anxious to share their knowledge and love for beekeeping. We have a neighbor who has been a great help for us. I look forward to hearing how you make out with the bees. It's hard work, but when you get the first taste of your very own homegrown honey, it is a slice of heaven in this messed up world. We are lucky, uh, Mike, that we do have some beekeepers uh, locally in our area. We actually have a beekeeping group, and they have beekeeping classes. And uh, one of our friends... Um, actually their father-in-law, well, I guess father and father-in-law, uh, cause it's a couple. Anyway, um, they got their dad's bees this year because they, uh, he had to give them up. Uh, had no experience with beekeeping, really didn't do a whole heck of a lot, uh, with the bees and had an amazing amount of honey produced um, actually they they brought us a quart jar Missy's been putting a little a spoonful in her tea every morning and we're already about halfway down uh, through this court jar but it's 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 local honey it's honey from uh, our county and that supposedly is better with your allergies uh, if you get the local honey so you've got the local pollinators and it helps your body acclimate to the the uh, the local uh, pollen and the lo- local allergies so I'm hoping that that might actually help her with her uh, immune system and hopefully maybe uh, keep her a little bit healthier during the chemo. But uh, they are going to be, uh, I think, one of our guiding lights. They, along with the beekeeping group uh, in our county, because I really would like to try this next year. I think this will be, uh, you know, again, I always worry about biting off more than I can chew, Um But this is one of those things that uh, we've talked about it for the last couple of years. I think we'd really like to move forward with it, even if it means we get stung every now and then. Yeah, At the end of the day, you've got uh, that delicious, dark, rich honey from right there on your property, and that's pretty darn cool. All right, stick around. We've got more 40 Acres and a Fool coming up. Just need to take a, a quick break, but we'll be back right after this.
1: 40 Acres and a
2: Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: All right, sticking with the turkey talk for another couple of minutes. Jeff in New York wrote in with a Thanksgiving story. He says, in 1985, I was in the Air Force. I was stationed in California. A friend and I uh, rented a small apartment off base. We were both 21 at the time, and that should give a clue, Jeff says, about uh, the things to come for that Thanksgiving day. Jeff says, we decided to invite two girls who lived on the base dorms for Thanksgiving. I had never made a turkey, says Jeff. We bought the turkey. I rinsed the turkey off. I pulled off the plastic part, you know, the part that pops up when the turkey is done. Uh, Cooked the turkey, kind of. Opened up the can of cranberry sauce. I made stovetop dressing. Pre-made shrimp cocktail. Long story short, I took the turkey out of the oven. I carved it on the counter. The legs were cooked. Uh, Some of the breast was... Kind of cooked, and most of it wasn't. And then I noticed something. Says Jeff, "There's a bag of parts inside of the turkey. I I didn't know that there were turkey parts in a bag in the cavity. Well, how would you, Jeff? That's one of those things that you know nobody tells you. Oh, by the way, the first time you cook a turkey, make sure you reach inside that uh, little turkey cavity there and yank out the uh, bag full of innards." Um, 'Cause there's a bag full of innards in there. No, you, you don't necessarily think about that, right? I, I don't. I would not have thought about it. Now the little plastic popper thing, Jeff, I I might have wondered, why is that there? I better go ahead and leave it there. But you know what? You were bold, you struck out on your own, and uh as Jeff says, nobody got sick, it worked out okay. And that's the important thing, Jeff. And I, I'm i sure that the uh, young ladies uh, who you hosted for Thanksgiving were uh, very grateful and thankful for your efforts. And he had trim cocktail. So you had that. Uh, a lesson to young guys who want to impress women cooking a Thanksgiving dinner, says Jeff, buy a turkey breast and leave the plastic timer on. My wife won't let me near a turkey after she heard that story. And the sad thing is, Jeff, you've learned your lesson now. Now you'd be fine but you don't get a second chance. Not when you uh, mess up a turkey that bad. Jeff says, I wish you and your family a happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for the laughs that you and Missy provide. I hope things keep going well for Missy. A huge fan of 40 Acres, Jeff, in New York State. Jeff, thank you very much, sir. I do appreciate that. And I hope that you and yours have a very, very happy Thanksgiving as well. And uh, listen, I really appreciate you writing in. It is always good to hear from our uh, New York farmer friends. Uh, Now, We've got uh, a couple of other items that I want to get to. I mentioned this uh, interview by uh, Christopher Ingram at The Washington Post with uh, Colin Peterson of Minnesota, uh, one of the last of the blue dogs, blue dog Democrat, moderate Democrat. When I grew up in Oklahoma, this is, in essence, what Democrats were. Now, growing up in Oklahoma, Republicans and Democrats didn't get along. Uh, and you always, uh, you pointed out your differences. And in, in hindsight, now growing up, it kind of seems like you, they may have been exaggerating the differences just a little bit. Because when I moved to Virginia, I quickly realized that, were, the, that the Democrats that I knew back in Oklahoma did not bear much resemblance to the Democrats that I was meeting in the uh, D.C. suburbs and in Washington, D.C. itself. Very different breed of Democrat. And then about 2006 or so, uh, when Republicans had uh, taken the House... Democrats decided, you know what, we've got to be smart. We've got to compete in in middle America. We can't just leave these congressional districts to Republicans. And Rahm Emanuel actually was one of the architects of the Blue Dog uh, Democratic surge, and they took back the House uh, on the uh, backs of a lot of moderate, quote-unquote moderate Democrats, Democrats who uh, would vote for Second Amendment legislation, Democrats who... Uh, weren't in favor of socialistic economic policies. The problem is they then told those blue dog Democrats, you got to vote like Nancy Pelosi. And a lot of their constituents said, we didn't elect you to vote like Nancy Pelosi. We elected you to represent us. And now there aren't a lot of blue dogs left. It's only been a decade. But uh, Colin Peterson who's been actually serving in Congress since 1991. He predates the uh, the Blue Dog wave. Uh, he is still there. Christopher Ingram says uh, one of the last of the Blue Dogs, a rural conservative Democrat. And so Ingram sat down with uh, Colin Peterson asking uh, some questions. Uh, what kind of things he asked did you uh, hear from voters in the district in the run-up to the election? What issues and policies were people concerned about? And Colin Peterson says they're talking about farm programs and farm prices, different specific issues that deal with agriculture. He said, but I could tell something was going on, just the amount of Trump signs that were out there. He said there were way more than usual. It was clear that the number was just growing and there were no Clinton signs. People were fed up. It was kind of interesting, Colin Peterson said, they didn't really want to talk about it too much. Uh, and then after the election, it's kind of like they've been unleashed By Unleashed, he says, uh, the, the backlash against political correctness. He says they don't like government telling them what to do or telling them how to live their lives. They think the government is coddling people, like when people's feelings are hurt at the colleges and they send somebody in to make them feel better. Stuff like that drives voters here crazy, says Colin Peterson. He said, I heard a lot about the Affordable Care Act, too, about how people in the individual market were getting clobbered with all these increases, which is a legitimate issue. He said, I always run ahead of the... Ticket, compared to Democratic presidential candidates Colin Peterson always outperforms the Democrat in his district The Democratic presidential candidate He said, but this time there were a lot of people That just voted party line, a lot more than usual He said, there's no question that Trump Got elected because of rural America And our party is still in denial They don't get it This is actually one of the First, and I think the fact That Colin Peterson is talking about what he saw in his District gives him uh, Hopefully a little bit more credibility that Democrats will listen To him I don't know that they will, but I've been listening to a lot of progressive talk radio. I've been reading some progressive websites, and i got to tell you the amount of denial uh, that I am seeing here on the left. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. You know, Hillary Clinton won the popular vote. Everything's fine. We don't need to change our messaging. We don't need to change anything about us. We just need to be bolder. We need to be more of what we are. More, 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 more. I think that would be a very bad electoral strategy, quite honestly. And again, when you hear Colin Peterson, what was his... uh, his statement about the people hear about the puppies and the adult coloring books being given to college students or perhaps even professors on college campuses to help them deal with the election and they roll their eyes it's that type of stuff that drives them crazy it is because you know what in Colin Peterson's district and a lot of rural America when life sucks you get over it you deal with it you know I, we're it, it's it's getting towards winter and i'm going to be bitching about the weather here in Virginia, there are farmers in Minnesota and Wisconsin who will be going through a winter uh, unlike any winter that I have ever experienced. And just because it's cold and just because it's dark and there's a foot and a half or two feet of snow on the ground, you can't stay in bed. You can't say, oh, I want to take a mental health day here. I'm just going to curl up with a coloring book and a puppy, and I'm not going to feed my animals. I'm not going to make sure that everybody's doing okay. I'm not going to make sure that they have fresh water. You can't do that. There are obligations that that can't be avoided. There are responsibilities that cannot be shirked. And... I think that, uh, you know, again, you see students walking out of class, you see professors, well, we're going to just have a, a roundtable discussion about how we feel today. Yeah, I can imagine it would drive some people crazy. I imagine it drives a lot of people crazy. don't have to uh, be a rural American to be driven crazy by that. So uh, uh, Christopher Ingram of The Washington Post asked Colin Peterson, what does the Democratic Party need to do to, quote, unquote, get it? What do they need to to start talking about to win these voters back? Colin Peterson says, I don't know if they can. I don't know if they can, he said. What's happened is that the Republicans have been smart. They spent a lot of money redistricting and everything, getting control of these governorships and state houses. So they packed all the Democrats into districts, very Democratic districts. What that's done, he says, is made our party urban, more liberal, and so those people are doing what their constituents want. But it's not what my constituents want. I don't know how you change that. There's hardly anybody left like me in the Democratic Party in Congress, he said. These districts have been so gerrymandered that most of a Democrat, can't win. Somebody like me trying to start off today, he'd never get endorsed because I'm too conservative. He says, so it is a problem. Pushing gun control drives people in my district crazy. Gay marriage, abortion, deficit spending, you name it, all that stuff adds up to be a problem for Democrats. So there are two, two arguments there from Colin Peterson. Uh, one is that, listen, Democrats, uh, they they can't compete because these districts are just Uh, They're so gerrymandered, they're so twisted and designed uh, by Republicans, of course, to uh, keep them in Republican hands that the the, the Democrats can't compete there. I think that's a—I'm going to curse a little bit, if you don't mind. Just you're forewarned. If you have kids, cover their ears. I think that's a bullshit excuse. I do. Uh, You look at what happened in Central Virginia. First of all, Central Virginia, Prince Edward County— where Farmville, Virginia is located. It, it, it voted for Barack Obama in 2008, went for Barack Obama in 2012, went for Hillary Clinton in 2016. Now, the numbers have been going down. Uh, the Republican numbers have been going up. The Democrat numbers have been going down over those last three election cycles. But Democrats have still won in Prince Edward County. You look at some of the other counties around Prince Edward County. This is sort of the five-county area. We've got the five-county fair. Uh, in a county like Buckingham County, Win for Obama in 2008, win for Obama in 2012, win for Donald Trump in 2016. Don't tell me that Democrats can't compete in rural America. Frankly, they have been. And in some cases they still are, but they're losing votes. It's not that they can't be competitive, but they're losing votes. And this is where Colin Peterson actually hit on it. He said, look, my constituents don't want Politicians talking about uh, gun control and pushing uh, deficit spending and gay marriage and abortion. These were mostly social issues, if you noticed, All that stuff, he says, adds up to be a problem for Democrats. I, 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 I will give some free advice to the Democrat Party, which I can guarantee will be ignored. You want to compete in these rural areas? First of all, go to these rural areas. And don't start lecturing the people who live there. Start listening to the people who live there. Don't go into these places and tell the residents, here's what I'm going to do for you, and here's what you should think, and here's why progress is good. Don't. Just shut up. Just shut up. Go hold a town hall at the local high school or at the local VFW hall. And when you get there, say, I'm here for one reason. I'm here to listen to you. I, I am here to listen and to try to understand what I don't understand. And I hope that you will help me understand the things that I don't understand. So let's talk. What is important to you? What, what, what issues are important to you? Why, why is there a roadblock? Why don't you want to vote for a Democrat? Start having these conversations. And by the way, Republicans should be doing the exact same thing. In districts where they're not competitive, I, I really don't want to see political parties uh, get so divided and focus grouped and demographically separated that you know if you uh, uh, meet the physical or uh, geographical characteristics of a Democrat or a Republican voter, well that's how you have to vote. Forget that. I want parties competing for my vote. Both parties competing for my vote, I say both major parties, I know we've got some minor parties out there too. We'll get into that discussion at some point later. But I want that competition. There's the uh, the commercial what uh, when banks compete, you win. Well, when parties compete for your vote, we win. so I, i'm I'm not actually just weird, but I'm not as pessimistic as Colin Peterson is about Democrats competing in rural areas. But A, they have to want to compete, and B, they have to uh, actually want to offer something to uh, rural voters and to middle America other than, hey, haven't you ever wanted to be kind of like San Francisco? Haven't you ever wanted to be kind of like uh, Midtown Manhattan? Not in terms of you know the shops and tax base and things like that, but just in terms of the, uh, the cultural attitudes. Haven't you wanted to throw away everything that, uh, that you've known and replace it with something that you don't agree with? Because right now, that's what a lot of Democrats are offering middle America, and middle America is not interested. Again, it's up to the party to figure out how to speak to voters, and they do that by listening to the voters. All right, we're going to take a, a quick break. When we come back, we've got more of 40 Acres and a Fool, so stick around. We'll be right back right after this. You're listening to Forty Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards
1: on the Blaze Radio Network. Coming up today on Patents Two, about a guy who's random. biracial, so forced into a slave contract. Where he's making $128 million. You're saying he was forced. Forced into it. Good. They asked him to sign it, and he did. The only thing that would be worse than this is if white people in prison yeah, throughout his childhood. Well, they did. They took him from his perfectly lovely orphanage. Pat and Stu, weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards returns now on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: So this, I think, is how we're going to leave the uh, the podcast this week. I've been trying to figure out, OK, what do I want to know from you? Uh, this is it's kind of ironic, actually. It's just been the last time we're talking about people need to listen. And here I am just blah, 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 blah. So I'm going to ask you, what would it take? And you don't have to live in rural America to answer this question. But what would it honestly take for you to vote for? And I'm assuming here that most of the audience is conservative or conservatarian or libertarian. But I'm assuming that most of the audience is not a uh, quote unquote progressive. They're not uh, 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 registered Democrats. So and I may be making some false assumptions. Let me know if I'm wrong about that. But I ask you, what would it take for you to vote for a Democrat again? If you've ever voted for a Democrat, and if you've never voted for a Democrat, what would it take for you to vote for a Democrat for the very first time? Uh, we can, le- and I'll, I'll leave this open. We don't have any, You don't have to think about for president. What would it take to get you to vote for a Democratic? In fact, let's 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 avoid presidential politics because we can. Yay! We don't have to talk about presidential elections for like another eighteen months or so. Right? At least the next one. We'll be spending a lot of time talking about the one that just happened, but we don't have to talk about future presidential elections, but let's talk about Congress or even state representative or state senator, because Republicans over the last 10 years or so, look, they've gained almost a thousand state legislative seats. Now, Republicans have taken over dozens of House seats in Congress over the past decade or so. So I'm curious, what would it take to get you to vote for a Democrat for Congress or a Democrat for State House or State Senate? And what has been your block until now? I think Colin Peterson is right when he talks about uh, gun rights and the Second Amendment being one of these big issues. You know, uh, in New York City, you've got former Mayor Michael Bloomberg, uh, who wants to make the entire country look like New York City in terms of its gun laws. And he doesn't give a damn about why you exercise your right to keep and bear arms in Idaho or Montana or southern Illinois or eastern Kentucky or Oklahoma or Utah. He doesn't care. He he wants what he wants, and what he wants is for your gun rights to go away. And the same holds true for Nancy Pelosi. The same holds true for Chuck Schumer. The same holds true for Democratic leadership right now. Uh, And so far, we've not seen any evidence that uh, Washington Democrats have come to the recognition or realization that if we keep going down this road, we are going to lose what few seats we have in middle America. So I I ask you, that'll be our takeaway question. What would it take to get you to vote for a Democrat? What does the party need to do to try to earn your vote? Because I, I think that most of us would agree We want a healthy two-party system in this country. At least I do. Not only do I want a healthy two-party system in this country, as I said, I don't want those parties to simply uh, divvy up the American people in terms of where they live, uh, how old they are, uh, the color of their skin, their, uh, their gender. I think that both parties honestly should try to compete and should have a message for all Americans. I don't want to see either party seed the uh, the playing field and say, all right, you you get those folks over there, we're going to get these folks over here, and then we'll just compete for that today, 15% in the middle. Forget that. I want Republicans to have a message that can resonate in uh, these deep blue cities that haven't elected a Republican mayor since nineteen thirty. Republicans need to be competitive there. They need to actively be competing. It even means they get their butts kicked for a cycle or two. Run candidates. And the same goes with Democrats in rural America. But you've got to actually listen to what those voters in those areas are saying. All right. I'm going to listen to you. I I eagerly await uh, your responses. The email address is always 40acrefool at gmail.com. You can follow along on Instagram, uh, photos from the farm at corny goat farm. That's Miss E's account. Now, Miss E, I think it's been relatively quiet on the account, but hopefully she'll be uh, feeling better. And uh, we'll have some uh, pictures up also at Cam Edwards on Instagram at Cam Edwards on the Twitters as well. And we'll be back next week with another episode of 40 Acres and a Fool. In the meantime, be safe, have fun, live a little, eat a lot, and uh, learn something, too. And we'll talk to you soon here with more 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network.
1: 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network.